Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online, and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello chickens, this is the fabulous Adam Richard and I have a theory. Hello, chickens. Uh, very excited to be back talking all things Doctor Who. Although I'm going to talk about things that are not Doctor Who uh, in this particular episode because I just finished watching Star Trek. Does anyone watch the Star Trek? Am I alone here? Um, I've been watching the Picard, Star Trek Picard, which uh, <laughs> every time I say Picard because of my ridiculous accent, it sounds like uh, I sound like a chicken. Picard, Picard. Um <laughs> Uh, how how has Q never done that joke? Um, <laughs> uh, turned him into a chicken. Oh, Picard, Picard, Picard. Anyway, I watched Star Trek Picard and um, I enjoyed it for the most part. I certainly enjoyed it a lot more than the first two seasons, which I loved at the start. And then it just felt like they kept going and going and going and going and I had no idea where they were going and... Also, I didn't like the way they brought in characters, um, like legacy characters from old shows, and then killed them off for no good reason. And it's like, why Why would you bring that character back and then kill them? This is, it seems silly. Um, so, I really enjoyed it, but there will be some spoilers if you haven't seen it. So, uh, you know, feel free to skip this episode altogether and go on to the next one. Uh, it'll be in about eight minutes' time. Um, <laughs> if you're listening on Patreon... Uh, everyone else, it's tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah. So, Star Trek Picard um, finished on, I think it was last Friday. Uh, I'll try not to do too many spoilers, but, you know, there were 10 episodes. Um, A, one of my issues that there were 10 episodes. And sometimes there were one or two episodes that felt like, you know, we've got 10 episodes, we've got a pad. And sometimes I'm like, well, maybe just don't. Do an episode if you've got nothing to say this week. Like, there was one really great one that that was supposedly a filler episode, but it was kind of had that dust boot, uh, you know, submarine warfare feel. A bit like Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan has a bit of that. Um, 
So, I'm fine if it's one of those ones. Uh, what I found the most distressing though is it's... I like, and I know this is going to sound weird, me complaining about this, but it's so American. <laughs> like, I think one of the things I love about Doctor Who is, I know I've said that in this podcast before, that Doctor Who for me feels very British. I mean, obviously, he plays cricket. Um, <laughs> he travels around in a London uh, police box. Um, but it's not just in the, the you know, it's it's also the, the fact that when they go to a, a place that seems like a, a utopia, you know it's actually a dystopia. Um, whereas uh, Star Trek is so kind of, you know, deranged with optimism um, that you're kind of like, well, how can there be any conflict in anywhere? Um, but what what has struck me about it being like insanely American at this juncture is, so I'd never really thought before about what their, the enemies of the Federation represent. So the Federation is, you know, all the planets getting together, a bit like the United Nations in space. Um, <laughs> it's the United Federation of Planets. Uh, and Starfleet, the spaceships that they all pop around on. Um, you know, the military arm, kind of like Space Navy. Um, the military arm of that particular, you know, bunch of aligned worlds. Um so, the it's very American in that. It's American military. We're fine. I'm kind of okay with that because they've got like an exploration sort of remit. It's not all totally guns and explosions. Although, having said that, I do love the guns and explosions in Star Trek. Like, that's one of my favorite things is when they shoot at people. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yay, space battle. Um, so... I, I like that part of it, but I can't because this season, and here comes a spoiler if you haven't watched it, so turn away. Um, this season, the main villain throughout it, uh, one of the leader of which was played by Amanda Plummer um, or Honey Bunny from Pulp Fiction, if you've seen that, uh, she was a, a member of a race that were the main villains through much of Deep Space Nine and that were those were the changelings. Um they were the head of the Dominion, which was a whole thing in in Star Trek uh Deep Space Nine. And that's probably a spoiler for that, but you know, if you haven't seen that, it's been on since the nineties, you've had plenty of time. Um <laughs> it's all on the Paramount Plus if you want to see it. Uh so I was like, you know, I loved them as an enemy. I thought it was great. And the changelings can change shape. They can be anyone. And when they're at home on their home planet, they just live in like a sea. It's just a sea of changelings. They're just one big amorphous blob, all kind of, you know, chatting to each other. And then they blob out and turn into, you know, bipeds like us. Um, but the most of the time, they're just an interconnected big fat blob. Uh, so they were like the main enemies and then there was this constant undercurrent also going on of the Borg um, and because Captain Picard had been assimilated by the Borg and the Borg are uh, basically one giant organism with, you know, if you're a person, you get assimilated by the Borg and you become part of the collective. And I've realized that both of these, 
Both of these enemies are collectives. So, essentially, this whole new world of Star Trek where we're supposed to be, you know, welcoming all races and creeds and everything is still very much against any kind of collectivist behaviour. So, the Borg and the Changelings are space communists. (laughs) And... (laughs) The kind of uh, individualistic um, American attitudes just that, that they don't deal with that kind of behaviour um, in space. They don't want space collectives because you know they perceive them as evil. So yeah, that's my biggest issue with it. Um, the other the other thing, like by the way, I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed it so much more than the first two seasons of Picard. So that was that kind of made itself apparent to me in a way that it hadn't before. I'd never thought of the Borg as an analog for the Soviet Union. Um, I guess because when uh, Star Trek The Next Generation started, the Soviet Union was kind of collapsing. So the idea of a collective being the enemy uh, kind of didn't really exist for America at that time. Um, so it was that was all a bit strange. Because I think it's Star Trek VI, the movie, where there's a giant explosion um, on the Klingon homeworld, which is kind of analogous to Chernobyl. So they'd already gone through that whole um, detente bit of business. So, yeah, the idea of uh, a collective behaviour being anathema to the federation and you're just like oh it, and it, i find it kind of weird because a militaristic society is essentially also very much totalitarian because if you do what you're told or you get thrown out the airlock um but yeah and, and i did kind of like that there was a, a whole sort of rebelling against your your boss in this if you believed that you should um the other thing i found annoying was nostalgia porn like there are so many moments in the recent series of Picard because they bring back all of the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation Um, and every episode there seemed to be some kind of like slow pan across people's faces with swelling music as some bit of business from the old show turned up and like I love that as much as anyone um, but it just felt like overkill. I was like, yeah, we get it. This was in the show before. <laughs> yes, he's an android. Sure, he's a little overweight and old now, and they've managed to explain that somehow. Um, but yeah, I I just kind of found it um, like the most expensive fan fiction ever made. Uh, it just, yeah, there were just some moments I was like, oh, no, I'm just, I'm not into it. And And that's, I guess... One of my fears, if you want to bring it back to Doctor Who, one of my fears of what's going to happen with the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who are that we're going to get this kind of, you know, inveterate nostalgia porn where it's just like, oh, here's David Tennant, he's back. And let's have some soaring music and the camera can pan across. And now here's Donna, she's back. Oh, that's a, but, you know, it's Russell T. Davis. I trust him. Implicitly, I don't think we're going to get that kind of level uh, of, you know, soaring music. And I guess also it's only been 
10 years um, <laughs> since David Tennant was the doctor. Or maybe more like 15 now, I guess, isn't it? Like it was, he started in 2006, 7? Um, so it's it's not as like, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation was over 30 years ago, like 35 years ago. So yeah, that's, anyway, they're, they're my issues. Uh, we'll talk more about Doctor Who in the next episode. Sorry if I spoiled. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.